When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Hello and welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me. This is, of course, the preview show, and we're looking ahead to this Saturday's game against Doncaster Rovers. A special game, in fact, because, of course, um, it will be the first game this season that fans have been allowed into the PTS Academy Stadium. We'll be hearing from a Doncaster fan shortly, but first of all, let's cross over to Bristol, where I found uh, Mr. Danny Brothers. <laughs> he just found me. It's, <laughs> I'm by the side of the road, as always. Yes, thumbing it. That's what you were doing, wasn't it? <laughs> Hello, any podcast recordings going? Come on, let me on. Uh, how are you, mate? Are you well? Um, all good, all good. Still Still uh, joyous after last night. Oh, yeah, he's still on cloud. Amazing what, amazing what a sneaky 1-0 win can do for you. Isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I've got a feeling that, that we might be having the juxtaposition of emotion um, in uh, our, our podcast this evening or today, as when you're listening to it, um, because Doncaster have literally just lost. So you're going to go from us feeling and, and sounding very high 
to uh, the man that I'm going to introduce shortly, probably feeling a bit rubbish. Um, but hopefully that won't deter from uh, a great podcast that we've got ahead. Um, one quick question for you, Danny. How proud of you are you of fellow ginger and fellow bearded ginger, Kian Bolger? Oh, super proud. I love a good bearded ginger, as you know. Uh, fully backed him from the start of the season uh, when everyone else has been writing him off, um, obviously. Um, I enjoyed it. It's, it was his old team. I didn't realise until afterwards that he used to play for Fleetwood as well. A little bit of extra extra joy for him yesterday. And I've watched that uh, goal cam thing a few times this morning as well. I didn't realise there was a fight afterwards as well between Hoskins and Horsfall, which we didn't pick up on last night. Yeah, we missed the, it, didn't we, last yeah, night? In the in the celebration, for some reason, Hoskins just kicked out and started effing and jeffing at Horsfall for some reason. I don't know what's gone on there. Effing and jeffing. <laughs> Love it. Maybe Horsfall started singing to his horse and Sam was like, no! <laughs> it's definitely got that air of, um, I'm more senior than you are, get out kind of thing. Isn't it? it looked like he might have gone to hug Nicky Adams and Hoskins is like, no, get off, he's my friend. <laughs> I was here first. He's my friend. He's mine. Leave him alone. My best friend. Um, yeah. I, I, do you know the one thing with Sam Hoskins is that I, I know we take the mick and I know we're mean sometimes, but we do it in jest. But there's one thing, isn't there? He he looked like he had a proper bit of a go at, uh, at Horsefall last night on that. And yet when he talks, he's very posh, isn't he? Very so. I know he's from Southampton, isn't he? I think very, very like that. You can't imagine him being angry. Uh, but he's, he, he's stepping up now, and he? The last year or so, I think, especially since Curl's come in, I think he's changed him into more of a that kind of aggressive leader kind of player, hasn't he? He's, he's added that to his game, which is not a bad thing. Um, he, it's, it's definitely like it's definitely improved into Curl. Probably the most, probably not that many left from when he started, but he's definitely improved Hoskins as a player and as a leader in the dressing room, isn't he? So you can't put that against him. He's going to have the odd bad game now and again, but. Just creeping towards that 10-year testimonial, which I'm going to obviously be the special guest referee for. <laughs> I, I still see him as more of a Jack Russell than a Rottweiler, though. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those. Right, anyway, let's move on from that wonderful... Well, do we call it a wonderful win? Three points is always wonderful, yeah, isn't it? Anything, let's, yeah. let's just... Yeah, let's just say it was wonderful. Um, and we're, we've got to move on. Go again, as a famous Welsh manager might say uh and look ahead to this saturday um which sees the cobblers take on doncaster rovers and joining us um all the way from newcastle as it happens is doncaster fan adam stubbings how are you adam hiya yeah i mean it's not a good time to ask me how i am unfortunately after uh our game with hull but uh overall i'm fine i just uh I'm not enjoying football too much right now. <laughs> Is that right now as in in this moment or in this moment, the, yes. Oh, right. Okay. That's that's absolutely fine. Uh, I can completely understand and empathize with how you must be feeling at the moment. We've been there many, many times over the years. Um so let's let's start there with that game, that last game. We've talked a little bit about our last game and, and the win that we had at home to Fleetwood uh, on Tuesday night. You've literally just lost to Hull City, who as a message that you sent me about 10 minutes ago said, uh, is a team that you don't particularly like. So 
how are you feeling about that as a result? Is that something that you were hoping to get more out of? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the top at table, they're a good side hole, but um, we, we just didn't give a good account of ourselves tonight. And we uh, third game in a row, we've had to fight back from behind to get back into. And, uh, you know, we've got back into the game, got level in the second half when really, I don't think we had a prayer of getting level in the first half. And then three minutes from end, our goalkeeper, who I must stress is an emergency loan signing, um, has dropped a very, very tame deflected shot from distance right at the feet of Tom Eaves, and he's just tapped it in for an easy winner. So to lose in that manner to a, a team who are a rival and are managed by our old manager, Grant McCann, who I will tell you is not a very popular person around these parts, um, <laughs> it, it leaves a very a very sour taste, unfortunately. And it's yeah, the performance is just symptomatic of, of something that, needs addressing for Rovers and that is that we are not uh, we're not playing well enough at the moment we're not getting forward in the manner that we're accustomed to and I think I think teams have worked us out to be honest and it's getting very frustrating so yeah we share that dislike of Grant McCann because of course he was manager of Peterborough not so long ago (laughs) and did a tremendous job there even if we do say so ourselves Um, so it is one of those things very quickly just to touch on Hull with you, Adam, for a moment. How did you find them? When they came to Sixfields and, and we saw them, we kind of, you know, we lost that game fairly comfortably, I'd say, 2-0, I think it was. And the one thing that, that we always remember is just how much they were constantly in the referee's ear. Is that something that happened in your game tonight? Were they always baying for yellow cards and free kicks? Oh, yes. Uh, you know, they call it the dark arts, don't they? I think uh, Hull have become very adept at that. Um throwing themselves to the floor, shouting at the referee, shouting from the sidelines. Um, Malik Wilkes, their top scorer, actually, at the minute, he's, he's a former Rovers player under Grant McCann, actually, uh, did a, a comical dive in the second half. Um, one of those where the ball's going away from from the central area of the box, the goalie's rushing out for it, and uh, Wilkes has just waited for Lumley to go down for it and chucked himself over it. Thankfully, the referee booked Wilkes on that occasion, but I think he, he was susceptible tonight the referee to a few of those little tricks and and things that Hull did they definitely did a lot of that they were a good side as well um you know they still play the same way that Rovers played under McCann which is quick breaks um looking to get the ball out wide and and looking to kind of you know disrupt the other team they did a good job of that tonight but um yeah, uh, a game of two halves for us the first half we weren't at the races and all could have had three or four second half we were a bit more composed and I think really we, we should have got a draw out of the game but not to be Seems to be a lot of uh, your fans on the, on the forums and Twitter which I know aren't the, the best gauge of opinion but <laughs> say now how much you gave away the ball especially in the first half is that fair to say tonight? Oh, oh yes definitely uh, we we have had a problem with this now for a few games I know we got we got a late draw against Sunderland and we came from two down to beat Blackpool but both of those performances were the same giving the ball away a lot not really getting forward with any urgency I, I don't think we got the ball into the attacking third anywhere near enough and most of the time when we did get that far up the field um, we were giving it away quite cheaply um, it seems we've got a problem where getting the ball out of defence and making it stick up at halfway or in the, the opposition half is just eluding us at the moment. We've we've lost that ability, whether that's down to who's playing up front or whether it's down to the 
waywardness of the clearances, I don't know, but something seems disconnected between front and back in our team, unfortunately. So I'd say that's a very accurate assessment that uh, the passing has, has just not been anywhere near the level that we need it to be. That's your, I'm just looking at your last few results. That's your first defeat in, let's call it six games, if we ignore the Football League trophy. Um, so, I mean, is everything that bad? I'm sure if, if you were asking me tomorrow evening, I wouldn't be quite as down on, on the team. But um, the, I will. I have to stress the performances in the last couple of games have been really poor compared to what we're used to and what we expect from the players. Uh, against Sunderland, we didn't have a shot on target in the first half. Against Blackpool, we didn't have a shot of any kind in the first half until stoppage time. And it wasn't a very good one then. And tonight, the same problem. Uh, I think we had two shots in the first half. Neither of them were anywhere near the goal. So, yes, the performances are not reflected in the results, which is a good thing in this instance, but something seems to have, have really dropped off for us from earlier in the season. You know, we were we were taking lumps out of teams like Ipswich and Charlton and really putting a few goals past and we were beating teams like Lincoln who were in good form when they came to play us. That's all gone away now. Uh, we've had to scrap and claw for points in recent weeks and apart from the second half against Blackpool, which was a fantastic turnaround, uh, it's just not been anywhere near the level that we've become accustomed to. And I think the results have probably masked that a little bit. And it would, it would have masked it tonight if we'd have got the draw, but having fought our way back into the game to lose in the manner that we did from a, a really poor goalkeeper error is, is pretty galling. Yeah, you've got two games in hand over us at the moment. Um, we were, well, we were <laughs> saying last night and we were going, oh, you know, we're not too far away from you points-wise. We've got 18 to your 21. Um and then all of a sudden I looked at the matches played column and went, oh, do you think Doncaster there? I was sort of asking last night on our live uh, post-game show whether Doncaster were kind of going under the radar a bit. We should be sort of mindful of your league position isn't necessarily a, a true reflection on, on how you've been. But by the sounds of it, maybe not. And maybe 10th is roughly where you expect to be once you catch up with us in terms of playing the same amount of games. Yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, not to just rag on the team, it's consistency, I think, for us. If we were a bit more consistent when we get on a good run uh, uh, and the performances were there and the results were there, I'd say, yes, it's, you know, maybe we're under the radar, maybe we're a bit of a dark horse, but really, and we finished ninth, well, finished, but we finished ninth last season as well. I think being 10th or so probably reflects that we're a good side who can beat teams at the top end of the table but have not put it together yet to be a consistent threat and really push for a playoff place I'd like to think we can do it we've got the talent in the team I think the manager's a very good manager but there's just a couple of things that maybe need tweaking and, and we maybe need a bit of luck in some areas as well and and then we'll, we'll push up a bit but for now I think 10th is a reasonable position for us in the table yeah it's that the expectation as well from like the start of the season there's is that around about that the expectation, or do you, you know, you've had about I think is it your fourth season in League One now? Um, is it time to kick on and really go for a, another playoff place, or, or is it really just an expectation of just finishing in the top ten and hoping to break in at the last? I think our fans would like us to mount a challenge for the playoffs as a minimum. Uh, you know, in terms of league position, I think if we give it a good go and finish just outside, finish between anywhere between seventh and tenth, I'd say most fans understand that we've not got the resources to expect to be a top three, four side. Um, 
Charlton, Sunderland, Portsmouth, Hull, Peterborough, you know, you, you get down the list of teams who've definitely got big resources in this league by comparison to sides like ourselves and like Northampton. And all of a sudden you think, right, well, maybe only one or two playoff places we can aim for. Um, so I don't think fans will be, you know, getting up in arms and saying this is just not good enough if we finish 10th. But providing that's 10th, giving it a push for the playoffs and, and challenging up, up to near the end of the season. If, if we're meandering along in mid-table and, you know, just kind of get to 10th, it's not quite the same. So for fan expectations, I'd say most level-headed Doncaster Rovers fans would hope that the top half is a bare minimum and that a playoff push is the aim every season. But certainly, I don't think anyone's getting carried away. Yes, four seasons in this league now, but we made the playoffs in one of those seasons under McCann. Um, obviously, when you take into account everything that's happened this year as well, um, I think there's a bit of an understanding that going going out and expecting to be a promotion contender is not realistic. But at the same time, uh, there's no reason in our team, in our manager, in our ownership, why we can't be a team that pushes for those lower couple of playoff spots. What's the sort of... <laughs> viewpoint of Doncaster as a club I, I mean in terms of um you'll you'll have certain clubs that will turn around so Sunderland for instance their fans will will see themselves as a Premier League club regardless of the fact that they're in League One um how do you perceive the club of Doncaster Rovers are, are you where you you think the club should be in League One or do you see with the Keep Motors being such a good stadium that realistically, or not realistically, but you, you, you feel that maybe you should be in the championship at least? I think if you ask different generations of Rovers fans, they'll give you a different answer because we spent a great deal of the latter half of the last century in like the fourth division as it was then in the, in the bottom two tiers pretty much exclusively. Mm. Um, but the last 10 years the last 15 years or so, we've been on that upward trajectory. We've got the keep mode now. Um, we've spent five seasons in the championship. And I think there's there's definitely a thought that really we should be able to get into the championship if everything you know aligns. But I, I mean, pers- my personal opinion is that we're about where we should be if you if you juiced football in those terms. Top half league one side. The keep mode is a, is a good stadium. 15,000 just about can get in it. Uh, the problem is the building a fan base. I don't think we're very good at getting the fan base built beyond that six, seven, eight, nine thousand. And uh, to be fair to the club, we've got a lot of bigger teams around us. Uh, both Sheffield clubs, Barnsley traditionally are probably more of a Championship standard team than than League One. Um, Rotherham have had a very good few years, and even further afield, teams who've had big sustained success like Leeds do take away local fans of football who could be Rovers fans, but then, you know, they get into supporting a top flight team, etc. Um, I think if we had a sustained spell in the championship, our fan base could fill the keep moat regularly. We certainly did well in our first couple of years at that level under Sean O'Driscoll. But I mean, if I was listing the 92 league clubs in an order from one to 92 and seeing where the divisions fell out, I think Doncaster would probably land in the top 10 of League One rather than in the Championship. There's a lot of uh, big clubs in this country, whether all of them are where they think they should be, like Sunderland or not at the moment, then that's a different 
matter. But yeah, I, I think Rovers fans of a younger generation who've only really seen us be successful and be in this league and the championship would say we can be a championship club. I think a lot of the older heads would probably say, well, I'm used to seeing us toil in the bottom half of the fourth tier. So this isn't too bad. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned that that kind of congestion, if you like, of, of teams in the local area or the vicinity, at least. It's one thing that I think we kind of forget as Northampton fans, because we don't have as many clubs around us as the likes of the, the Yorkshire teams do, the London-based teams do. You know, essentially you've got, in terms of, well, Football League and above, you've basically got Leicester, Coventry, Peterborough as and Milton Keynes as, as kind of your, your closest ones. I mean, we don't really count MK, of course, but, you know, th- it, it isn't as congested where we are. So, I mean, in a, in a way, you could turn around and argue, well, in this in that case, then we should actually be performing better in terms of how big our fan base is. There's certainly potential um, for it to be bigger than what it is. Um, but I, I do think, I don't know, Danny, do you agree? Do you think sometimes we, we forget because we live in our own bubble? I think so. Yeah, we've got the big thing in our town is the rugby, obviously, as well. That takes away a lot, of, a lot of the attention and a lot of the fans who, who kind of float around, don't they? Um, uh, but we, you know, we you you see the likes of Rochdale struggling, um, Stockport people, teams like that, because they've got all the Manchester clubs around them and stuff. And it's, it's those casual supporters that you lose out on, isn't it? Today, but I mean, I have seen that place all the peak mate when you do go on a good run. So there's definitely, it must be the potential there to, to kick on if you do break back into the championship again. Um, because it, you, you know, there, there has been a full capacity there at some point. So that you, it's just kicking onto that level, isn't it? To get the, the casual people back. Cause you're going to have those people who come week in, week out. It's just uh, the floaters that you need to keep hold of. Talking of sellouts, Kenny Duke day. That was a sellout, yes. wasn't it? It was at our end anyway. It was Adam, won't, yeah. Adam won't have a clue what we're talking about. We came to you, was it the last game of the season, Danny? I think it was. Yeah, was it? Yeah, 2007 ish. Yeah. And we yeah. had, uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, former Gretna striker, uh, the good doctor, Kenny Duker. Um, every, well, I say everyone, we all came to the game at Doncaster at the Keep Moat, all wearing doctors. Um, overalls didn't we overalls that's not the right word what am i looking jackets. for jackets thank you danny yeah um and, and filled out the away and uh pretending to be doctors and um yeah the one thing actually i must ask you adam is that there's a kfc or at least there was the last time i went there's a kfc just around the corner from the keep moat um which i noticed had uh, an award from roy castle for good air does that still have that award <laughs> I think that's that is the most niche question I've ever been asked. I think um, I know the KFC is still there. I can tell. I can tell you that for the awards and air quality it has, I have no idea. But uh, yes, there's plenty of great fast food eateries around the stadium. I, I only go awards that have good air awards. I'm afraid, Adam. So uh, that's that's the only thing. Um, you, let's go back to the actual football. Um, Darren Moore. He spent some time in the championship fairly recently uh, and and actually, looking from the outside in, of course, he was maybe unfairly sacked by West Brom. They were fourth at the time in the championship when he got given the boot. How has he been doing for, for you guys in Doncaster? What are your thoughts on him? 
My thoughts on Darren Moore are very positive. Uh, he's he's been a really great unifying factor at the club. Um, you know, he did play for us in the nineties for a couple of years on his way up the leagues. Um, I think we got him for Torquay and sold him to. I want to say Bradford, but that's probably wrong. Anyway, uh, on his way up the leagues, he played a couple of years here and he was very, very well remembered there anyway. I think a lot of fans kept an eye on him throughout his playing career. He did play for Barnsley as well for a time when we were both in the Championship. Um, as a manager, he's, he's come here and really instilled that community spirit. Uh, he's a really positive bloke, as I'm sure anyone that's seen him on the, the Sky Punditry or just in general in the media. He's a very positive person. Um, as a manager... He, he does seem to get a lot out of his players. Um, he's the signings he's made have definitely been more hits than misses, and tactically he's, he has often found a way to adapt to trickier teams. He's he's not afraid to put players in different positions than we expect and, and set up in those unconventional ways. But at the same time, I do think he gets wedded to some ideas, and at the moment we're seeing it as well. He's very rigid in in playing a four-two-three-one formation. It's just he will very fluidly move the personnel around within it, and I think sometimes that does lead to deficiencies in the team that you could work around if you played a different way. Having said that, uh, I think until recently that has also worked more often than not, and I, I don't think anyone would have too big complaints about him. He, he needs to find a way now of maybe adapting when teams have maybe worked us out and, and have realised where our biggest strengths lie and try and work out a different way to play. It's easier said than done, of course. But we play we play positive football. We try and keep it on the ground. He's a very positive person. And, you know, we're all very glad that he came to the club after McCann left us in the lurch in the middle of pre-season mm. um, out of nowhere. And we got a lot of people said, you know, we'd love to get Darren Moore in, but it's probably not realistic. He'd only just been... Uh, dismissed by West Brom a couple of months earlier and we all felt that a championship club would come in for him before we ever got a a chance on him. Thankfully, he was open to the idea of coming back to Doncaster. He he said he liked the area, he liked the community um, drive of the club on and off the field. And I think that it's it's been a really good good combination of of the man and and the club and the town. And up to now... Yeah, he's done a great job. I wouldn't trade him for any other manager in this division. I wouldn't trade him for most of the managers in the championship, if I'm being honest. So I hope he stays here for a long time. Although, um, you know, if we can get things going again and, and get up the league, then I'm sure he'll he'll have his suitors as well, higher up the pyramid. Did he um, did he come in with his own backroom staff? Because he's fairly new to management. Has he got that in place or is he using staff that were already at the club? Play, well, not playing, but sorry, working under Grant McCann. He he brought in an assistant manager of his own, Jamie Smith. Um, I'm trying to, I think he was in the West Brom because Darren has a really big academy coaching background with West Brom and with Blackburn. And I think Jamie Smith was a player that um, he worked with in the youth setup at West Brom. Um, apart from that, I don't think he did bring anybody else with him. Uh, the club itself recruited a head of recruitment, uh, Adam Henshaw from Shrewsbury, in the middle of last season. I think Darren had a big say in that as well. Um, but apart from that, the coaching staff was the coaching staff from before. Uh, even Grant McCann, I think Darren Ferguson actually put a lot of the those personnel in place. Certainly our goalkeeping coach, Paul Gerrard, has, has been here since even, long, even longer than that, I think, former Everton goalkeeper. I think he might have been brought in by Paul Dickov even. So that was we're going back five or six years now. Um, it's, it's quite a hybrid group of coaches and, and staff. 
um, built up over the course of a few managers. So yeah, he, he brought his assistant with him, but otherwise, I think he was he was quite confident in who he had here when he first came in, as well as the fact that Grant McCann, when he left, only took his assistant Cliff Byrne with him uh, to Hull, and nobody else, I don't think. Okay, uh, Danny. Danny always picks out a few players um, to discuss. You've picked out a couple that I can see here, Danny. Um, you've gone for a standout signing in Josh Sims on loan from Southampton. Why, why is yeah. it exciting you, Danny? <laughs> it's, it's worrying me. He's had a couple of appearances in the Premier League and over his career at Southampton. And they're, they've got a really good academy down there and you've, they're quite famous for bringing up all these young players. And he's one that could even have kicked on in their first team, might still do. He's probably still relatively young. He just seems to be one of these players who's got real craft and like he can he can pick a pass and he can make stuff happen if he gets the ball and a lot of the play goes through him from what the highlights I've seen of him. Um, I don't know what you what your thoughts now, Adam, but I was quite surprised to see him sign for you guys. Yes, uh, that was that was a deadline day signing. I was surprised by it as well. I think most of us are very grateful to have a player of that quality here. I'm I'm uh, very confident in saying this will be the only season that he spends in League One for a long time because. He's very good. He's not had a bad game for us yet. He got the assist tonight for our goal. Um, I think he's got five or six assists and he's only been here for a shade under two months. Um, he, he has just got that craft. That's a good word for it. He, he's got that craft when the ball comes to him out wide. He will take defenders on. He will find ways to to get it into gaps that maybe the defence doesn't even think are there. He links up very, very well with the team. Uh, he's got on the score sheet a couple of times and he is, he's been really well getting assists, he takes set pieces. I think uh, we signed him and Matt Smith on loan from Man City on deadline day, uh, the late deadline day in October. And uh, they've, they've added so much to the team, the pair of them. Sims is really uh, just a quality player. And for this level, uh, we're very lucky to have him. And I think he will, he'll probably be one of the biggest danger men on Saturday. Going to the other end of the spectrum, uh, James Coppinger, 17th season. With you, I think he. Am I right, am I right in saying he's the only player to ever reach over 500 appearances for you? Um, yes, and he's he's well past 600 now as well. So that records is for a long time. Yes, <laughs> amazing. I just keep seeing popping up year and year, and I just think he must have he must be near close to retirement now, and he's 39 now and still doing the job in League One. He's mainly coming off the bench, isn't he, this season? I think, but I think he's scored. Um, uh, was it a Wimbledon where he scored? Yes, last minute yeah. goal. Yeah. Yeah, how how big of a legend is he? Because you don't you don't often see that kind of loyalty anymore. I'd say. No, certainly not. I mean, he is he is a statue worthy. That's how legendary he is at the club <laughs> now. There's a, there's a campaign getting going. I think in the next few years you'll see a nice bronze likeness of him outside the ground because <laughs> uh, he is just legend. Yeah, he is a legend. Um, he's he's been so good for so long. He's. He's, he's, we've never had seasons where we're like, oh, Coppin just rubbish. We might want to ship him out now. It's it's never happened. He's never he's never dropped off. And now he's nearly forty now, and this is his last season. He's he's retiring at the end of the campaign. But you know, whilst we manage his minutes, even when he does get on, uh, he's still got that quality. He didn't get much chance tonight, but it, it wasn't a, a great game for getting a creative central midfielder in. To be honest. Um, and he's popped up with goals as well. Still, you know, that goal at Wimbledon was very important for us. Uh, a game that we. Had no business losing, and we and we did get a draw from it because of his goal. Uh, he had a great game on 
telly on the BBC against FC United of Manchester in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. And I think Darren Moore's just managing his influence, so to speak. You know, having to play two games a week at the moment, the team, Coppinger can't do that anymore, understandably. Um, and this is, well, this is the first time that he's not going to have started 40 league games in, in, in the season for us, which is incredible. After 17 years, we signed him in 2004. Um, and I think there's only Dean Lewington who has been at his club longer in the entire top four divisions. Um, he doesn't count. So. <laughs> no, he doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the the only thing with Coppinger's well, if he's retiring this year, you're, just, you're desperate for fans to get in, right, for the last few games just to see him off. Absolutely. It'd be a, a real, real shame if we can't get in and see him play again. Um, we've had a few seasons recently where we're like, maybe this is the last game we're seeing him at the end of the campaign because... Yeah. Generally, he doesn't sign his one-year extension until the end of June, but um, it would be the biggest shame of this season um, to not get back in and, and not see him play again. And I don't, I don't think, unfortunately, he would extend his career another year just for the sake of that. So, But, I mean, fans are going to be in on Saturday at the Northampton game. So, you know, hopefully before long, Doncaster will get out of, you know, the tier that they're in and, and be able to get some fans back. Because if, if uh, we can't get a full house for his final game, at the end of the season, then we'll have to arrange something, I suppose, down the line. But um, it would be a big shame. He's he's very much a beloved figure around Doncaster and we're all going to miss him when he goes, not just for uh, his ability, but for his character as well. Absolutely. Um, well, look, let's go ahead to this Saturday. Um, we always end the preview show with our predictions. Um, we'll, we'll start with you, Danny. Um, I'm concerned. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's one of them. And it is, it's, we've got to get right in their faces, just like we did against Fleetwood. Similar kind of game, I'd expect. I mean, if, if um, you're going to come and play, try and play football on our pitch, it's probably not going to work uh, at the moment because it's a bit cut up. So that might play into our favour a bit. I can see there being goals. Uh, I think I'm going to go 2-2 because Doncaster seem quite good at coming back from being behind. Um, so I can see us going 2-0 up at half-time and then coming back to make it 2-2 obviously we're quite good at throwing away 2-0 leads as well so that, into that, <laughs> that kind of thing as well so yeah give it a bit of a Desmond and I'd be I'd be pretty happy with that even though even if we do drop a 2-0 lead I think well I, I think I, I've got to go with a 2-0 defeat I think unfortunately because typical cobblers first game fans are allowed back in it's going to be a letdown. <laughs> it's got it written all over. So, yeah, I, I think Doncaster will, will win 2-0. Uh, and uh, the fact that they'll be coming off the back of, you know, this defeat that they've suffered uh, against Hull tonight, I, I can I can see Darren Moore having leapt rip into, their, into them and uh, they'll be out for... <sighs> out for blood. I, I, I've got that feeling. Um, what do you reckon, Adam? Yeah, I think some very good points there. I think goals will be something that we'll see from both teams. We have only kept two or three clean sheets all season, unfortunately. Um, We are good at getting... We don't tend to give up in games when we concede. I think we've conceded first in six of the last eight league games, which is not a good stat. Um, I don't want people listening to this think I'm a very negative Doncaster Rovers fan. I'm really not. I feel I'm one of the more positive (laughs) ones. But, you know, tonight and just the last few games have not made me confident. I am actually going to even out these predictions with a Northampton win I'm going to go for. Not so much because fans are back, because we we actually played a game in front of fans at Charlton earlier this season. They did one of the pilot events and we won 3-1 and we dominated the game. So I don't think it'll be because of that. I just think Northampton in a decent bit of form at the moment. I think, as you said, the pitch is not going to help us. The pitch tonight was horrible. I know they play rugby on Hull's pitch as well. It probably didn't help. And if we start slow 
and start off making mistakes as we have done for all the last few games. We are we're going to make it hard for ourselves. So I'm going to go for a, a two-one Northampton win because I, I think we're capable of scoring. Whether we're capable of putting together a ninety-minute game that wins at the moment, I'm not sure. It might be a bit beyond us. It's a good point, actually. We also played in a pilot, didn't we, Danny, away at Shrewsbury before uh, the the second lockdown kicked in. I thought you were going to say we also play rugby on our pitch, which is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. could say that. Anyway, that is it. That's all we've got time for. Thanks very much for joining us, Adam. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Hopefully in the return fixture, there will be fans allowed in both home and away and we'll be able to come up and uh, enjoy, I don't know, a, a chicken burger under some good air uh, in the KFC <laughs> around the corner. Uh, that's it for the preview show. Uh, the game kicks off three o'clock on Saturday, of course. Um, if you are going, lucky you, and please go and have fun and just enjoy it. Don't forget that we have had a promotion since we last actually were at a game. So give the boys a proper, proper welcome and just get behind them as much as uh, Boris's uh, guidance will allow you to. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday, of course, looking back at this game against Doncaster, hopefully with yet another three points in the bag. And uh, yeah, we'll see you then. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.